Ladies and gentlemen, it's football time. All the pre-season's done. All the preambles, everything's resolved. We're here in football time. It's time for the LJ and Redders uh, AFL podcast show, in which I try to keep Lucas Holmes to fifty-five minutes. Sometimes it's great. It's it's quite difficult, and I and I happen to do a bit as well. Would you please welcome sports journalist from the Wimmera Mail in Horsham, Lucas James Holmes? Hello, great man. Uh, evening, David. Evening, ladies and gentlemen. Great to be with you. And as you said, one day out from football, the first teams of the season have dropped. David, we're just about to get into that. But we, we covered some preseason last week, but even in the in the week preceding this, a hell of a lot's happened. <laughs> okay, the first point we got. Lucas has got an agenda here. We're going to talk about the AFL concussion guidelines update and the Max Maxwell Clark session class action. Bruce McAvaney of the Australian Hall of Fame preseason injuries, at which Lucas, you'll now add Elliot Yo to that list. Collingwood is allowing Port to wear their prison bars in the round three showdown, which I think is an excellent move. Uh, having spent a little bit of time on Adelaide and actually sitting with Port Adelaide fans, they're a rare bunch, but they love their prison bars. How, contract intentions for Green and how preseason predictions, and of course, football actual some tips. First point, we're gonna I'm gonna hand over to Lucas if I could make a declaration yeah. here. As as a casual employee of the AFL, I will not be able to comment on this next subject at all. Um, it will be a conflict of interest. Uh, Lucas, of course, as a qualified journalist, is allowed to have an, uh, an opinion and, and, and a view on all of these things. But this particular next point, which is the Compassion Guidelines update, update in particular the class action, it's over to Lucas. And ladies and gentlemen, I won't be making any comment whatsoever. Lucas, point yeah, one. I'm also going to tread very uh, lightly because it's all come to come to a head in the last couple of days. But firstly, uh, with the updated uh, concussion guidelines, and there's also a strategic strategic plan uh, attached to it. But firstly, the AFL have uh, come out in the last couple of days, David and ladies and gentlemen, said that there is now AFL players if they have had a concussion, you can you can no longer play till the twelfth day after the day of the, concu- of the concussion. So 12 days after that, and I'm just trying to put this simply because it is quite complicated and I took a while to digest it all myself, but there is also in, that, in those 12 days, there is an 11 step return to play program. And during those 11 steps, there are three distinct stages. Those three stages being rest, recovery, and a, re- and a greater return to training and play. And, and within those 11 steps, you've got to be, there's a minimum period of 24 hours on each of those 11 steps. Okay. Um, and of course, the one thing I, w- I can comment on because it's not related to the AFL is that the NRL has just come out with their concussion guidelines today and they've got an 11 day gap. And when you see folks like Caelan Ponga, who's not a big man, um, getting knocked out consistently, I think that, uh, it makes perfect sense, and um, that's all I'll say about the NRL. Now, Lucas, there's also a rather delicate subject to talk about for yourself. Again, once again, I won't be able to comment and give it an opinion at all or say anything. Yeah. Lucas, you've got a second point to talk about with concussion. I, I have, David, and ladies and gentlemen. It's come out in the last couple of days. It's been on in the newsroom at work and things like that. But uh, the AFL, after this first-class action was announced, which I'll get into in a second, have announced $25 million. They've, they've put towards $25 million for study for long, long-term long health impacts of contact sports and concussions. Um, so there's some study to go forward with this, which is great. But unfortunately, 
um, which which is seen in other sports overseas, and the NFL is a standout uh, class action for those that have seen it, which we can dive into very quickly as well. But uh, former Geelong star Max Rook is the lead plaintiff in a in what the ABC terms a landmark lawsuit against the AFL um, due to long term effects of concussions. So there's that too. Uh, I think there's about, they said there's about more than 60 former players have signed up to this first class action. And there was one, a secondary one announced this afternoon, David, um, as well, a second class action over concussions. And this is now an age article uh, with former Adelaide Premiership star Darren Jarman, former Melbourne player Sean Smith, and the wife of uh, late Richmond player Shane Tuck, the lead plaintiffs in this second class action. So uh, the AFL. Uh, I think this it's hard to judge because it's only been in the last couple of days, but we've seen other issues in this space and other spaces um, with contact sports. I think it's sort of unfortunate to say, but I think it was only going to be a matter of time before something like this sort of popped its head, particularly for our former players that have play, that played the game with such physicality, which not saying their game nowadays is uh, not physical, it definitely is, but in my opinion, to a lesser degree than it was, what, 20, 30 years ago. Thank you, Lucas. Appreciate that. Yeah. Next point, Lucas, Bruce McAvaney's uh, Australian Football Hall of Fame. Uh, sh sure is, David. Um, McAvaney, of course, um, has about 40 years of service to the game of Australian rules. Um, long period of time, was the anchor and lead caller for, uh, for Channel 7's uh, football coverage. He's also other than the AFL, obviously, being involved with the Olympics and some horse racing as well. Um, McAvaney started calling football in 1978 and was one of the, and said they're one of the main anchors for seven between eight, 1989 and 2020. So a long, uh, distinguished uh, servant of the game, David, and it's uh, well-deserved for one of the uh, better calls of, of our generation. Because this is something that we, you and I have actually got a little bit of, can make a comment on here, and I'd love to pick your brain on it. When I listen to this bloke speak about sport, like when I watch a, a race day, sometimes my wife has, particularly during COVID, we got to watch a lot more race days than normal because you were stuck at home. But in watching Bruce McAvaney, he has this extraordinary Windows Explorer inside his head and the resources. And now I know that he studies a lot, but his ability, um, horse racing, he's absolutely superb. I think he's one of the best athletics commentators I've ever heard. Um, he was a very good football commentator. He's not the best football commentator I've ever heard. I'll leave that to Dennis Committee. I think Dennis Committee is the best I've actually heard in, in our game. But he is, for mine, the best multi-purpose commentator this country's ever produced. We've had some very, very good commentators in, in different sports. Um, guys like David Christensen, who's a be beautifully spoken South Australian, who's an outstanding hockey caller. Another guy called, uh, well, certainly... Um, certainly David Bashir, uh, who's another South Australian, who's an excellent commentator. Brenton Speed's a very good commentator. But these guys are younger than McAvoy. I'm just trying to go back to the guys that are a bit older uh, and have been around a long, long time. Certainly Richie Benno was a commentator without peer. But it, the thing is, McAvaney, David Bashir goes across different sports. And uh, when Jim, I talk, Jim, Jim, Jim Maxwell as well. Jim Maxwell. The, but the interesting thing is in there, and I do this in my own work training, is that Bashir, Christensen and McAvaney have got one thing in common. They're South Australian. 
And that means that if you listen to them speak, they speak differently than everywhere else in Australia, South Australians, and they are the most correctly spoken. So when you listen to them, there's this rich tone, but the way they pronounce things is absolutely superb. But getting back to McAvaney, you know, just totally deserved, fantastic service to football. Um, I actually think that uh, in of all the athletics callers I've ever heard, I reckon he's the best. And trust me, I only watched Olympics a long time, but he's just unreal. So congratulations, Bruce McAvaney. Very well deserved. And hopefully uh, one day he, get, he gets elevated even further because he's that good. So it's scary. Yeah, he is a great commentator. Do, do you, in your own commentary, do you have people that you use as a template to commentate on? Uh, it, it, it's hard because obviously I'm obviously not the oldest person in the world, but having so much exposure to a variety of different sports and a variety of different countries. Um, as I said there, Jim Maxwell's one that I've listened to a fair, a fair bit in more recent time. Jared Waitley is another, um, both with mainly... He's a, mainly a, he's a superb commentator yeah. and again, beautifully spoken. Yeah, main, main, mainly both radio backgrounds. When it comes to footy, David, you, you said that they're McAvaney's one, but uh, Dennis Cometti, I think, is the main one. Not like you model yourself after particular people. You may pick, not not pick, but pinch little intricacies from three or four different people and then you sort of mix that in with your own sort of style and sort of thing like that. So there's a few. And then having the exposure to some overseas um, callers as well not not say you take some stuff from from those but you just sort of see how people in different cultures and different countries with different sports um, apply things to their certain game as well uh, well the first, the one that comes to mind the most is Phil Liggett who I think is one of the best sports commentators in history great Nisbet the New Zealand cricket and rugby union commentators a superb commentator maybe a bit before your time but the combination of Pat Summerall and John Madden were completely without peer. And I think in football that Martin Tyler is the best commentator I've ever heard. I think Martin Tyler is a superb commentator. Again, it's, a lot of those guys are very well educated and they speak, and they, but they just speak with this love of the game. I, I must admit, I don't model myself on anyone, but I probably don't need to because I'm a little bit out there. <laughs> I'm a little bit eccentric. And I, I sort of, I do know when I commentate, I try not to do as much as I can what I think other people do that, that annoys me. There's one or two commentators who I can't name who I just annoy me a little bit. And I tell you, us as a good football commentator is Anthony Hudson. He actually does a pretty yeah. good job. Luke, Louis, um, we're going to add into this list of injuries, pre-season injuries. Elliot Yo, the news break today that Lucas is about to tell us about. It's a leg injury to calf or a, a hammy for Yo over there in Perth. But we've got an ACL for Williams, Billings, Waitman and Zorka. Louis, take us through them briefly, please. Yeah, uh, I'll start with Yo firstly because that's what it dropped in this, after this afternoon. But unfortunately for Elliot Yo, current uh, West Coast star and former player for the Brisbane Lions, is um, has suffered another injury, David. Is what, he's only played what, 27 games now over the past three seasons, which is horrible uh, for a player of his calibre. Calibre, one of those real contested players on the inside, does a lot for them. And particularly with the uh, list turnover, that West Coast have had in the last couple of years. Yes, you Jack Darling's still there, but you've lost Sam Mitchell. We remember had a season there. Uh, Josh Kennedy's retired. So you, you, you bigger, you bigger aging players with the most experience have now left the club. Matt Prittis has gone as well a couple of years before that. So Yo's still would be relied on for his experience and his contested ball ability, and they're going to lose that unfortunately for a while. 
Nick Natnew is also um, not a young man anymore either, unfortunately, despite being an excitement machine. Uh, now we've got an ACL. That's not good news. It isn't, David. And this came a couple of weeks ago, but uh, during uh, with the... Uh, with the amount of content that we uh, chewed through last week, it's unfortunate that Zach Williams, former Giants player as well now at Carlton, um, ruptured his ACL during the preseason, David. And if you cast him on the back a little bit as well, he injured. He had a high-grade calf strain about a, about halfway through the season, last season in a game against GWS and uh, came back in that uh, last round game against Collingwood, David. We all know the result there. But um, Zach Williams, I'm <laughs> I wish you could see the smile on Lucas Hodge's face, everybody. We're doing this on Zoom, and I wish you could see the look on his face. It, it, it's precious. Go ahead. Subtle as a brick I am sometimes. But, <laughs> see, Zickman will be after you, I'm telling you. He'll be after you. <laughs> that's beside the point. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, we all know the talent that Zach Williams has, has at the moment, David, um, is moved through the forward line the last couple of years and can has a high motor on the outside. So unfortunately for Carlton, uh, Zach Williams has lost uh, his season to an ACL injury, David. And a couple of other important ones there. Um, Dane Zorko uh, is one of them and Billings and Waitman. Talk us through those, please. Uh, yes, indeed. So uh, Zorko and Brisbane are now the former zipper, uh, skipper in Dane Zorko that, they're taking more of a cautious approach, Brisbane, um, continuing to battle with a hamstring injury. Obviously, you've got the whole season ahead of you, so there's no point in risking um, risking a player of his age into his mid-30s now, the 34-year-old Zorko, uh, the first game of the season. They're also going to be missing uh, Darcy Gardner to one of their better defenders. So no Darcy Gardner and no, uh, no Dwayne Zorko, Dane Zorko, excuse me, for round one. Uh, Jake Stringer for Essendon is another one as well, David. Um, recent recent days, a lot of uh, scrutiny's come his way, oh, but you think they absolutely destroyed him? Oh my goodness me! Yeah, so another soft tissue for injury for Jake Stringer, hamstring injury. He missed um, Essendon's match simulation and both of the preseason games, the official preseason games. So no, uh, Jake Stringer as well, who we we also see when he's in. When he's in full flight, he's one to watch. It's just a matter of when he's at full flight. And at the moment, unfortunately for Bombers fans, it's uh, little to none at the moment. Sorry. He has not delivered on that enormous talent. So far, he has not. He's had glimpses of being very, very elite. But he doesn't do it well enough for long enough for mine. He's a good player. And that's all he is. Yeah, and speaking of enormous talents, David, and the Western Bulldogs will be without small forward Cody Waitman and also Arthur Jones have been ruled out of round one Saturday night's game against Melbourne. Um, but for, for groin injuries for both of them, Waitman, an electric small forward, we've seen him kick uh, bags of goals when, and as, he, as he's burst onto the scene in the last couple of years. But unfortunately for the Western Bulldogs, they'll be out with, without one of their better small forwards. Louis? Collingwood's allowed Port Adelaide to wear the prison bars jersey in the, in the round three showdown. Uh, great result for everyone, for mine. Makes Collingwood I, look very good. Yeah, I, I tend to agree uh, there, David. Obviously, Collingwood now with a new president, Jeff Brown, um, who was at Channel 9 for a long period of time there, has come to power at Collingwood the last couple of years. So, Jeff Brown, um, in Collingwood's statement here, flicking through that, they've had a great dialogue with Port Adelaide in recent times, so no doubt. 
um, that uh, Jeff Brown and you and you uh, CEO Craig Kelly has had a, lar a large portion to do with that in the recent weeks. And as you said there, David, round three showdown at the Adelaide Oval Ports home game. Uh, they'll be able to wear their um, black and white prison bar jumper, of course, um, before entering the AFL in the Sandville Port Adelaide were the Magpies. So hence the uh, colours there. And it was all to do with once when the Port Adelaide Football Club entered the AFL as the power, as the power they had to give up the black and white uh, colours as Collingwood already, in essence, owned them for lack of a better term as part of their uh, playing strip. So hence the uh, back and forth between uh, mostly the two uh, two presidents, one former and one still at the Port Adelaide Football Club. But as you said there, David, a win for all parties there, in my opinion, and yours. Uh, absolutely. I don't know. Uh, having uh, admired Port Adelaide from a distance for a long time, I, I think it's great that this has been allowed to happen. Um, and I might add that Eddie Maguire and David Kosh are probably two of the most 20, in the top 20 most powerful people in our country. After Albo, the Governor General, um, Pat Cummins, um, probably Twiggy Forrest, Gina Reinhardt, but they're in there, they're in the top 20. Green and Howe contract extensions. Now, I'm going to be very keen to see which green this is because that can't be Toby Green on your spelling because that's not how his name's spelled. Correct. Toby Green's got an E at the end of it. So go ahead, Lucas Green and Howe. So obviously Jeremy Howe's got an extension. Please talk to us about this one. Yeah, uh, firstly, a, um, a one-year extension for Jeremy Howe, David. And when you're talking about Green, it's at the, it's at the same club as the one I'm referring Tom to, Tom Green. So that's great news. But quickly on Howe, um, of course, well into the twilight of his career, signed a one-year contract extension uh, to the end of next season, to the end of 2024. So uh, transitioned from the Melbourne Football Club a number of years ago now, transitioned from the forward line to the back line is, and has been one of the better exponent uh, intercept markers we've seen in the last little while. It certainly is. And Tom Green's a serious talent. And because the Giants have lost to Taranto and Hopper in particular, there should be the ability to start securing other players. Um, I'll talk, we're going to talk about pre-season predictions now. I, I am very bullish on Richmond. I think that Richmond has had a superb off-season. Uh, yeah, um, four-year extension for Tom for Tom Green, David, and, and was the Giants easily their best player of the year in the first half of the season. Um, I think, not quite sure who won their, uh, their Kevin Sheedy medal in the end, but I know Stephen Cornelio had a quite impressive back half of the season. But uh, four years, Tom Green to the end of 2027, that's huge news for them. Um, the grandson of four-time of, uh, four Richmond Premiership player, Michael, as well. So... Um, and he was also the 10th pick in the 2019 draft, but he's definitely one of those next-level players on the inside. And as you said there, losing Hopper, losing Taranto, he was the obvious one uh, to step up. And still at only 22 years of age, David, he's played 45 games. Um, the future's uh, well, well ahead of him. And as you said there, he's definitely one to be extremely bullish about going forward. On to our predictions for the season. We're going to have these. This is off the ESPN article, Louis, that there's some predictions on. So... Looking at Premier runner-up, uh, biggest rise of the spoon, Brownlow, Coleman, and things like that. So here we go. Lucas Holmes, who's going to win the flag? So th this is tough for me, David. I've bounced. I've, I, I think the top three teams for me are Geelong and a Brisbane. Uh, for me, are the top three. Um, and by, I would say, by some distance, as, as much as you can get, 
um, in the modern era, David, with everything to a point extremely close. But for me, I've, I've actually bounced between Melbourne and Brisbane. I still think, well, I'll talk about some recruits down the line as well, but I think uh, Josh Dunkley is going to be extremely important for Brisbane, particularly on the inside, as we all know how good a clearance player he can be. Um, but for me, David, I'm actually going to go Melbourne. I think uh, the the pickup of um, Brody Grundy is going to uh, pay dividends for them. Yes, you lose Luke Jackson, um, but you st- you still got a number of great players there. Jack Viney's had a career renaissance in the last couple of years. Um, and if they can get players like Jake Lever back fully fit, I still think they're going to be a very tough team to beat for me. Yeah, look, I certainly agree in Melbourne. I actually think the grand final will be between the co-tenants. I think the Melbourne and Richmond, I, I think Richmond are going to be a very, very hard football team to stop. I must admit that I'm a, the reason that I haven't chosen Brisbane is that they have flattered to deceive in the last couple of years with enormous stockpile. It's interesting that none of us spoke about Sydney. It was you wonder whether last year was an outlier for them, but for me, Melbourne and Richmond, and Melbourne to win the flag. Um, who do you think is going to be the rise, the the team that will rise the most in two thousand and twenty-three? Yeah, it, it, it's tough, isn't it? Um, you, you look at the recruits down the line. You see quite quite a bit of movement. Um, we saw Fremantle rise last year. Be interesting to see how the Gold Coast go. But for me, David, I think Adelaide are going to have a quite a decent year. Rory Laird's in the prime of his career. Uh, ben Keyes has is, is been quite solid. Um, and you've also got their Isaac Rankin um, down from the Gold Coast. So I think they may go a fair way. I think Carlton are, are improved dramatically, but I don't think you, I don't think you call, could call them a, a, a large riser coming from ninth. But Carlton will do extremely well. But for me, it's going to be interesting to see how Adelaide go this year. And for me, and this is hard to say for me, but I actually think that Essendon are due. I reckon Essendon are just about due. Yes, I know what you're saying. I get it. I just think a change of coach. I, I, I see them. I see a lot of upside to Essendon. I think they can actually play. Um, it's just a matter of, I think Brad Scott will toughen them up. I think they'll be a lot harder to beat, to put it that way. I think they might win some real close games. Um, who's going to win the spoon? It's going to be, it, it, it's tough. I think, I think North Melbourne will improve. How much they improve, I still think that. I still think even with Clarkson just as coach, they may win it on the back of that. May win an extra two or three games. I think the Giants will rise, so I don't think they're going to be an issue. Uh, for me, it's between North Melbourne and and West Coast. But I think just with the up, just with the uh, downturn they've had the last couple of years. As I said, there, the ageing list is gone. I think West Coast, unfortunately, maybe even for another day a year, particularly if those injuries linger, as I had the last couple of seasons. North Melbourne for mine, just. That'll be those two. Yeah. Brownlow medal, and this is a, the Brownlow and Coleman medal. It starts to get really interesting now. Who you got for the Brownlow? Yeah, I, I'd sort of narrowed it down to two. I think I think Cripps is one. And I'm not sure if you call it a smoky, but I think Marcus Bottenpelli uh, could be the one. You, you think why Bontepelli? Trelaw's been out injured for a long period of time. Yes, they've actually just picked up Tom Libertore for an extra season. That one I forgot to mention earlier on. But if you look at Lockie Neal, who's there now, Josh Dunkley. If if you look at if you look at Carlton, yes, Sam Walsh is out. He's not playing tomorrow night. I'll give that one away early, but they'll be one to, who take votes each other. And as you and I were discussing all last year, the trio of Gorn, Petrarca, and Oliver have all taken votes off each other. 
So for me, David, it might be a little bit, little bit of a surprise, but I'll go with Marcus Bontempelli. It's a really interesting choice. I, I note that Rowan Connolly's chosen Bontempelli on, on ESP and on his, on his tips. I've I've been on a uh, I've been following Tuke Miller for a couple of years with the way he picks up votes and the way he plays. I think this year will be different. I'll tell you why. I think they'll I think he'll be a marked man. I think that if Gold Coast can be competitive, then he has to be there. He's their best player. He he's an outstanding player. He's the second best player in Queensland. I'm not convinced he can do it again. He was outstanding last year. I think that Max Gorn's not getting any younger. And I'm actually going to tip Christian Petrarca to win the Brownlow medal, despite the fact that he plays at an extraordinarily competitive club alongside Clayton Oliver. So Petrarca for me with Bontempelli on the hunt, Bontempelli on the hunt there. Um, and I think Cripps will be there at the end as well. Coleman medal, it's fascinating. All of the strives on ESPN change shows the same bloke. Who do you think going to win the Coleman medal? So I've now, I've also narrowed this down to two and two two similar plays in terms of athletic capability, but they've played uh, a slightly different role. Maybe one will play a bit closer to goal and one will push up to the wing and maybe lose their play on the way back. And those two plays for me, David Charlie, Kerno and Tom Lynch. I think, as I spoke about there, Kerno will push up the ground and, and lose players on the way back. Whereas at Richmond, Jack, uh, Jack, speaking about Tom Lynch, Jack Revolt will do that. He'll push up the ground even in his back end of his career and, and leave Lynch to roam inside the Ford 50. So I go down to those two and I just got a feeling, David, you spoke about it before with Richmond. I think they're going to have an upturn. You get some delivery out of Hopper and Toronto in the middle. It's going to be a tight one, but I'll go with Tom Lynch uh, from Richmond for the Coleman medal. And J- Jeremy Cameron for me. Jeremy Cameron is my tip. So that goes through our list and our, and it comes to it comes to be that we've got football to talk about, ladies and gents. So we won't uh, belabor the issue. We'll come up with some tips here and go through the games. The traditional game one of the season is Thursday night at the magnificent Melbourne Cricket Ground, Richmond and Carlton. Friday night, oh my goodness me, what a game this is. So two games in 24 hours. Geelong and Collingwood on Friday night, if you don't mind. I know exactly where Lucas Hose will be for that. Early game on Saturday. At Docklands is North Melbourne and West Coast. Lucas and I think we're playing for the Wooden Spoon Bowl. Big test for Port first up. Not tw- that's not twilight at Adelaide. That's four thirty. That's four o'clock their time. So that'll be played in the daylight with lights on at the end. Port Adelaide and Brisbane. Um, Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs at the MCG. What a try! Try try of games. That's quite delivered in the schedule. And that's the Saturday night game, and then the late Saturday game because it's in Queensland. Is it now at Heritage Bank Stadium? It's changed its name. It's the Gold Coast and Sydney. On Sunday, my Giants host Adelaide at Giants Stadium. Hawthorne hosting Eston. Traditional rivals there at the MCG. What's some series of games at the MCG? And then why I just don't quite understand why this is listed this way, but it's St Kilda and Fremantle. Oh, sorry. I read that completely wrong. So there's no games in Perth to start the season. It's St Kilda and Freo at Docklands. That is quite interesting. I've never seen them do that. No games in Perth. Louis, uh, let's go through it. Richmond and Carlton, who you got? Yeah, it's going to be tough. I just think with Sam Walsh not being available due to injury tomorrow night, David, I think Richmond may have the better of them. Obviously, you, get, you, you hope to see Dustin Martin back 
at full fitness after after he had uh, injury and laboured parts last season. For me, in short, I'll go with Richmond, David. Uh, Richmond by 18 points. I think they're a better side than Carlton at the moment. And I'm be fascinated to watch how they manage where Taranto and Hopper play and getting them time on the ball. I know that Cochin's moving forward. I've just been, sorry, Brown, I met a strength coach, I should describe him as. Fascinating uh, clash. And Patrick Pritchard's, Patrick Cripps's first game as Brown, I medalist. On to Friday night. Gracious me, these two have just got such a wonderful history together. And of course, Collingwood last year was superb, nothing short of it, especially in tough games. What a game first up. Geelong's first game without Joel Selwood in a whole generation. I know where Lucas Holmes is tipping. Louis, Louis let's let's go a bit deeper than that. How did Collingwood yeah. win? I, I I actually think it's actually it's controlling Geelong out of the middle, David, to try and quell some uh, quick ball movement, which we know um they haven't been renowned for the last couple of years. They usually grind play uh, grind teams away methodically off half back, but I think it's it's the forward line that again will catch. Uh, sorry, Geelong's forward line that'll catch uh, Collingwood out with Hawkins and with Cameron down there. Um, if they get quick ball movement inside the forward 50, um, I think I think Collingwood could be in some trouble um, trying to quell the influence of both Cameron, Cameron and Hawkins. Particularly, yes, Collingwood have now got Billy Frampton in the in the fray. If he'll play, I don't know. That doesn't either fill me with confidence either. So you've got more. And you've got more, and you've got Howard down there normally as your as your two taller players, and then you have Nathan Murphy um, coming across as that third. So Geelong for me, David, I just think they'll have uh, too much power going forward. But then you look at that back line as well, Tom Stewart, and a few of those players there across the back um, to tighten the screws for them. So Geelong for me, David, by fourteen points. And Geelong by sixteen for me for exactly those reasons. Um... Collingwood can't continue playing like they did last year because they're going to give people coronaries. And remember, there's about five million. There's about five million Collingwood fans in Melbourne, so the health system can't handle it any longer. Well, David, and 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 it won't happen when you win, when you win what eleven games by less than two goals. They even out. They even out over time, David. So it's, it, it it statistically won't happen again. Why do you think I'm worried about the Minnesota Vikings next season? We can't do what we did last year. That's a perfect segue. Um, I'm picking North Melbourne against West Coast purely because the games in 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 Melbourne. Uh, I could like, like like saw that Caro's got a, another wooden spoon out for Alistair Clarkson. I reckon he wouldn't be overly worried about anything that Caro says now. Um, doesn't like him and doesn't like North Melbourne and never has. But for me, North Melbourne by ten points only because it's a Docklands. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tight one, um, David. And with Yo going out, as I spoke about not too long ago, that. Uh, Maybe just swings the uh, the weight towards North Melbourne. Clarkson's, Clarkson's first game in charge. I think that might give them a bit of a lift emotionally. Still no Taron Thomas. He'll be playing at VFL level the first couple of weeks. As I spoke, as I spoke about last week, David still back training and potentially, as I said, they could play VFL level. But uh, still some talent there at North Melbourne. They'll just need some time to gel under this new style that. Clarkson will have them playing, but North Melbourne for me, similar margin, David, less than three goals. Yeah. I'm I'm just I'm not the Taryn Thomas issue is is ugly and I'll stay away from it. It's not great. But I, I just think that I think you're right. I think that they'll get home perhaps even on the fact that they're playing for Clarko and and 
I think their fans need to see something at the end of the day. So North for me. Port and Brisbane at the Adelaide Oval. I was wondering why the Sheffield Shield game between New South Wales and South Australia <laughs> was being played at Carabolt Oval. I, um, Jack Edwards made a century today in New South Wales' huge score. And it, it's just come to fruition why they're not playing at the Adelaide Oval. Um, and, of course, the Sheffield Shield final will be played in, in Perth. Um, Port Adelaide and Brisbane, it's 4 o'clock South Australian time, 4.35 our time. Um, wow. Ken Hinckley's been living on the precipice for a few years. Uh, he'd love to have a win first up. I'm sorry. I think the Brisbane Lions will get home even though it's away. Yeah, I, do, I, I, I think they will will as well, David. I think um, d- despite not having Darcy Gardner in defence, it'll be interesting to see how Charlie Dixon goes. And he, he's been uh, had injuries the last couple of years. So to see him back in full flight will be something to watch. But even despite that, yes, you got Mad Jack Daw there and a couple of bigger players as well. Travis Bokes uh, going around once more, who probably should have won a Brownlow medal the last couple of years. But uh, Brisbane, too much power. We'll be able to see Will Ashcroft. You'd think he'll be playing, David. Um, like, great to see him in your first competitive hit out. But for me, Brisbane and by, what, 22, 26 points for me. Ashcroft could be the most exciting draft pick for years and years. Number, number one draft pick. Uh, for years and years, all father-son number one. He, he's just outstanding. Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs. Great, nice old start. And if my memory is correct, we all watch these two play in a what will be once-in-a-lifetime um, grand final in, in Perth. And for two and a half quarters, it was an outstanding game of footy. We're about 20 months on from that now. And one side's continued to be pretty good and the Doggies have been a bit up and down. Uh, sorry, can't pick the doggies at the G, not against Melbourne, and especially with me being bullish about Melbourne winning the flag. Um, Melbourne for mine by 20 points. Yeah, I think they'll just be outgunned in the middle. Um, David, their midfield is next to none. Jack Viney, Clayton Oliver, Petrarca will run through there and rest forward. You've got Grundy and you've got Gorn, two of the better ruckmen of a generation rolling through the middle. Be interesting to see. We've seen Grundy rest forward a bit and, and be successful. Um, Max Gorn's a shaky set shot at goal to say, uh, to put it nicely. Um, so we'll see how they manage that. And of course, Sam Wiedemann, I don't, I don't believe, is at the club anymore. So we'll see how they manage that. And of course, Luke Jackson going to Freo. So uh, they haven't really got that much tall in reserve. But despite that, Melbourne will be too strong. Melbourne by, again, about four or five goals for me. Very confident. Gold Coast hosting Sydney game one of the season. This game's at 8 o'clock our time, 7 o'clock Queensland time. Uh, when I say our time, everybody, Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Um, the Gold Coast, it's just this perpetual cycle of you just don't know what they're going to do. Um, Sydney, I reckon you could, I reckon Sydney could give everybody their game plan and they'd still beat most sides in the AFL. So for me, even though the game's up there and it's supposed to be 32 degrees on Saturday, but um, they're, they're, they're stupidly playing the league at 2 o'clock Queensland time. This game will be played in the dark. It'll still be hot and humid, but um, it's been hot and humid in Sydney. Won't worry, the Swans. The Swans by 15 points for me. Um, and the reason I'm saying it's so close is because it's at Metricon, and I'm not sure who could go to Miller. I think Miller might have a big day out, but still the Swans for me. Well, my grand had a, a close win over them last year, if I'm not mistaken, the goal. Coast. So they definitely know how to beat a, a John Long mind coached outfit. But as you said there, I think Sydney have got um, t- uh, too much uh, power over the ground. You see Harold Goulden in the preseason had, what, 45 disposals and kicked three goals in a practice game. So, so great to see a, 
uh, local talent performing on the national stage. Not like that's happened for Sydney the last couple of years at all. Um, but that's beside the point. They've got had a number of successful players out of their academy. But be interested to see for Gold Coast if Ben King plays. Obviously, had the ACL last year. So good to see him return if he does do so in round one. But Sydney, all over the ground, have better players uh, for me. Jared Witts in the, in the ruck will be one to watch. Peter Laddams, I'm not sure if he's still, still, still suspended after that. Um, interesting uh, uh, brain snap that he had in the uh, VFL late last season. So I'm not sure if he's still suspended. Uh, if, if not, um, Sydney will have uh, dominance in every other part of the ground. So Sydney, for me, might be a little bit closer. The ball may get a little bit slippery uh, with the humidity there up in up on the Gold Coast. So maybe a little bit more grindy and low scoring than those predicted, as you said there. Uh, Sydney, for me, David, by about three goals. The Giants host Adelaide at Sydney Olympic Park. That's the early game on Sunday, 10 past one, uh, daylight, Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, betting line's fascinating. The Giants are favoured, which I find interesting. Um, I find this a very hard game to choose. I'm only going to choose the Giants just because it's at home. That's all, and by eight, only by eight points. I think the Giants will give them new coach, new mantra. I, I just I reckon the Giants will be okay. I don't think the Giants will make the eight, but I think they're going to worry some sides, and I think they can put Adelaide away. Yeah, I, I do so too, David. It's the start of the Adam Kingsley era uh, up there. It's, it's weird saying up there, but I am now. Um, up, up there at Sydney Olympic Park. Um, but I still think they'll get the job done. We've spoke about uh, Tom Green before. Um, Stephen Cornelio had that late had that late season dash, which showed uh, what a good player he can be when he's not got that much pressure on him, which won't last long. But a number of players there that obviously impress. Jake Riccardi is, is one for me that I'd like to see have a bit more opportunity. Otherwise, he could um, be a trade target of a, of a couple of clubs that don't have a necessarily lot of uh, key forwards. Um, how, you know, how, I'm how, talking how, about. How, how, how unusual Giants plays being trade targets. Yeah, yeah. but Just, he, he's, the, he's the one I probably would have gone after um, other than Dan McStay last year, David, but that's beside the point. I still think um, the Giants will get the job done. I think they might, might be close for mate, two and a half, three quarters and they may kick away at the end. So the Giants for me by about that four goal margin once again. 20 past three game on Channel 7 on Sundays. Hawthorne or Essendon at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Interesting betting line again. Essendon and clear favourites. I'm not sure why. Um, but I, I actually agree on this occasion. I think that Essendon will do the business by 12 points. I think this could be a slog. Um, and I think it'll be fascinating to see how Brad Scott goes about it particularly. But Essendon by 12, uh, again, with a new coach. Yeah, I just don't think, I, I just don't think Hawthorne have enough top-end talent um, you, you lose Jager O'Meara, who'd be one for watch for me to Fremantle. That's maybe the best, um, the the, uh, the best recruit of the off season. So that one for me is fascinating. Yes, it could have been a salary dump, much like uh, they did with Tom Mitchell. That's probably the reason behind it. But even when you look at Essendon, you got your Zach Merritt's. He's their he's their new captain, Dyson Heppel. Yes, he's in the twilight of his career. He'll shift to the halfback flank. Um, just like another left footer that used to have an afro did uh, back in his younger career. And you all know who that is. But um, it'd be interesting to see. I think Essendon will be too good. And I think it'd be about that four to five goal margin once again. And this is an interesting game because these are the types of games if whenever Fremantle have been at the top of their game, they win these games in Melbourne. And that's what sets them up for the season. They, they bank on winning most of their games at Optus. And then they come to, they come to Melbourne to play St Kilda, an unknown quantity to a certain extent. Um, 
Ross, to this is the Ross Lyon derby, isn't it? Really, it's it's fascinating. I think that Jake, I think Fremantle also did very well on the off season. Jackson and O'Meara are huge. Um, dis, I don't think the I think Fremantle prefer actually playing at the MCG than they do playing at Docklands. This could be anything. This game, but I'm actually going to go out in a little bit of a limb, maybe, and I'm going to tip Frio by 15 points. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. It'd be interesting to see if Justin Longmuir took uh, any tips from the um, from the vision and the audio that got uh, leaked to that uh, server a couple of weeks ago. But that's uh, decide, that's decide, beside the point, and that's the um, start of the Ross Lyon era for you. Uh, well, uh, sorry. So, quite frankly, someone should have lost their job over that. That that is so poor. So Louis and I, I think, agreed on the, on the whole card, aren't we? Did we agree that's on everything? That's a that's a bit that's a bit strange. So we're going Richmond, Geelong, North Melbourne, Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney, GWS, Essendon, and Fremantle. So they're the games of round one. Just looking ahead quickly to round two, of course, we'll be back next week with our regular podcast. Thursday night footy is Carlton and Geelong. Wow. Friday night football, Brisbane and Melbourne at the Woolen Gabba. And of course, Queensland can't host the Sheffield Shield final. So that game will be at the Gabba, obviously. Then on Saturday early, it's Collingwood and Port, which is a cracking game of football to be a 145 game. Then Adelaide and Richmond at the Adelaide Oval. Western Bulldogs and St Kilda are the, one of the night games. Freo hosting North Melbourne at Optus. Get your scoring records out. And then Sydney host Hawthorne on the Sunday. Eston have the Gold Coast. And the Eagles have the Giants. So two games. So that is fascinating uh, that there's two games at Optus in Perth in week two and then no games at Optus in week one. And what I'm wondering, I'm wondering if the Sheffield Shield finals had an effect on that. Because yeah, I'm, I, just, I'm just trying to think, first class cricket wise, where the last couple of games have been played in WA. Because yes, the Big Bash final was at Optus, but the, they, the Shield games haven't been, haven't they? No, I didn't well, think last so. Well, last year's Shield final, Western Australia and Victoria, who it's likely to be again, was at the Wacker. And of course, yep. uh, Aaron Harding made a century in that game, Western Australia won the Shield. So, yes, maybe that had nothing to do with it. But, yeah, fascinating that round two, there's two games at Optus Stadium, which, again, has uh, that has very rarely happened except in the COVID era. Louis, thank you so much for your time. Was there anything else you wanted to mention before we bid our fans adieu? No, I think that's about it, David. A few things going on. But um, in terms of all football action, as you said, out of the way, looking forward to, to getting games underway. And huge game tomorrow night. Carlton and Richmond will be big. And then Collingwood, sorry, Geelong Collingwood on Friday night. Uh, way to work your way into the first weekend of football. One of our mentors, Gary Burkinshaw, is heading down for that game. Surprise, surprise. Now, ladies and gentlemen, while ever there's Thursday night footy on, if you're going to tune in to listening to us, Lucas and I are going to try and record on Tuesday and Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday nights. Um, it would have been Tuesday last night, except I had to go and assist my wife at a cricket presentation in Gosford. So when there's Thursday night footy on, we'll come on either one or two nights before. And the reason we do that is if there's any team late updates and so forth. However, when the season goes to Friday night footy, we'll try and record on the Wednesday or Thursday, just depending on availability uh, and, and so forth. But that's going to be our plan, isn't it, Louis? It sure is. No, looking forward to it. So when they have Thursday games on, uh, those who know, they often release the, te- release the teams on the on the uh, Wednesday night, excuse me, for, th- for Thursday games and on Thursday night, I believe for for the weekend. So and then they trimmed it, trimmed them down for those later games on the Sunday. So it'll be good to uh, have a look at teams in advance, so we can uh, get our tipping as close as we can to what we should think. But now looking forward to uh, getting into the games proper now and uh, seeing 
Uh, we saw last year it was one of the closer top eights that we've seen in a long period of time, David. It's hoping from a neutral perspective it'll um, happen again. Of course, Lucas, for the first time in his life, living in Victoria, supporting Collingwood. So I think there might be a couple of trips down the highway to get down there to the G and Doc Lance, just a small chance. And of course, uh, Lucas, of course, can easily get to the Adelaide Oval as well, to be quite honest as well. And of course, we've got at round five. We'll talk about that later on. We'll have a, a bigger episode. That's the gather round where everybody's playing in Adelaide, which is just, I think it's a great initiative. I really do. I, I think it's going to be fascinating. Lucas, thank you so much. It's always great to see you, my friend. It's, it's, it's hard with you being so far away, but it's it's good to catch up. Take care, mate. Look after yourself and thank you so much. Not a problem at all, David. Look forward to speaking to you next week. Shall do. On behalf of Lucas, this is David. Enjoy your football for round one. Should be a fabulous weekend and especially those games at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. From Louis and David, it's bye for now.